Thank you. Okay. I'm so excited to be here talking to all of you today. (laughs) Okay. Well, as those who are in home churches know, we've been working our way through the commands of Christ, and we are on love. Just a small little topic, (laughs) right? (laughs) Um, And I loved our home church discussion last week. Going through 1 Corinthians 13 was so good. Um, So this morning, I want to go a little bit deeper into our source for love. Some of the words that the Bible uses for love and hopefully give us a fuller picture of what does it actually mean to love like Jesus loves. So we're going to start with just a little anatomy lesson, which is maybe not where you thought I was going. So I am a massage therapist, and I have been doing that for almost 19 years. And there's something in the body called fascia, or connective tissue. And this stuff wraps all around and through your body. It goes around your organs, your bones, your nerves, <laughs> everything, connective tissue, goes around all of this. And it holds everything in place, and it gives structure and stability in your body. Let's slide back just a little bit. Now, it can be super painful in your body when your connective tissue is not functioning properly. It can get stiff and sore, and then your movement is affected. Your body is painful. It can hurt a lot. Um, So this is how I've been thinking about love. As this support structure, um, it's the same as fascia, where if, if something's off with our love, right, nothing else is working properly, right? All of the other commands must have love. If we think through some of the other commands we've already been working through, right? Even repent, believe, pray, persevere through worship. If we don't have love as the support structure for those, the foundation isn't there. The motivation isn't there to do any of those other commands. Right? So... If you, want to, if you have your Bible or your phone and you want to turn with me, we're going to go to Colossians chapter 3. This is verses 12 to 14. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That's the connective tissue, right? Holds everything, all of the other things held together by love. So, love is a bit of a complex word, (laughs) and it can mean a lot of different things depending on how we use it, especially in our English language, because we have one word for love, and we use it for 
a lot of different things. So, for example, some things that I love. I love my husband, and I love my kids. <laughs> my mom, who's here today. Uh, um, I love camping. I love tacos. I live in KCK. <laughs> um, I love a well-put-together first aid kit. If there are any Enneagram number guesses, <laughs> you can probably figure it out. Okay. Um, I also love playing board games and having a lot of fun, right? So all of those things, plus much more, are things that I love. And I hope that you understand when I say I love my husband and I love tacos that I'm not talking about the same kind of love, right? We understand that. I mean, <laughs> they're high up there, but, oh, no, okay. Right, you understand in the English language, contextually, what I'm talking about, right? That I, those are different kinds of love that I'm, I'm referencing. Um, but what's great in the Bible, there actually are different words <laughs> for love that show us some different examples. <clears throat> so, like I said from the start, I want to give some more structure at, to the like source to say like how do we actually love? How do we become home churches of love? And that is by looking at these these um, words for love in the Bible. So, I want to start though in First John. Again, if you want to turn there, you can. I'm going to read a couple of verses there. First John 4, I think is an important place to start. Verses 7 and 8. They tell us something really important about God. <laughs> Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is love. Not that he has a feeling of love towards us or that he's simply showing us love. Well, he does do those things, but what it's telling us is he actually is love. His essence is love. There's a preacher from the 1800s, George Bethune is his name, and he said this, God was love long before he had made any creatures to be the object of his love, even from all eternity. Love is not reliant on an object of affection. At least God's love isn't, right? It's hard for me to think about love without thinking about the person or the situation that I am giving or showing love to. But God doesn't need something to love to be love. He is love. And he made us to be the receivers of his love, but he was already love. We were made by love, for love, we exist 
because of love. And we are able to love because we have been loved. So I want to talk just briefly about two words in the Bible for love that I hope will shed a little bit more light on the question of what is love and then how do we love. So we're going to get one from the Old Testament and then one from the New. And I am not a Hebrew speaker, so you will have to forgive the pronunciation. But the first word is Hesed. You really need some like phlegm in your throat to get that sound right. But Hesed. And this Hebrew word is one that you will often see translated as steadfast love, loving kindness, or mercy. But it is also sometimes translated as goodness, faithfulness devotion, and favor. Now, there's no equivalent in English or Greek or actually any other language for what this word does, which is why it's translated so many different ways because it's difficult to actually express what this word means. It appears somewhere around 245 times in the Old Testament, and about half of those are in the Psalms. Hesed is the kind of love that someone demonstrates when they are keeping a promise, and the desire to be loyal to their promise motivates them to go above and beyond and be super generous, more than you would expect, as described by Tim Mackey from The Bible Project. (laughs) Hesed is not conditional or based on the recipient's worth. It's not because you've earned it. It's an expression of, out of an expression of character that you show Hesed. Completely unearned, undeserved kindness and generosity. Now, it's not an emotion-based word, and it's not that it's void of emotion, but Hesed is much more about commitment, faithfulness, and covenant choice. God uses this word to describe himself to Moses in Exodus 34, verse 6. This is the Lord speaking. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's Hesed, his steadfast love. This is a God who keeps his promises, as we (laughs) sang this morning. Faithful and good, a God of loyal love. Psalm 136 opens with, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. His hesed endures forever. It goes on to repeat that phrase 26 times in that, chap- in that chapter of Psalms. Another example 
is Micah 6.8. This is a familiar one that gets quoted a lot or in the church. <laughs> he has told you, O oh man, this is 6.8, Micah 6.8, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Your translation may also say to love mercy is often how we hear it. And that word kindness or mercy is hesed. Hesed is God's loyal commitment to us. It's his essence, as we already learned, that God is love. God is hesed and he cannot be anything but hesed in all that he does. We, as image bearers, can also show hesed. And there are examples in the Old Testament of people showing hesed to other people, which is really beautiful. (laughs) And actually, I was like, this fills me with so much hope, right? The human capacity and ability to actually show true love is amazing. Uh, The story of Ruth is one of those examples. So it might be fun for you to go back and read through the story of Ruth with this word in mind because it's all over the story of Ruth. Naomi shows it to Ruth and Ruth shows it to Naomi and Boaz shows it to Ruth and it's just full of this committed love that's not requiring anything in return but coming out uh, out of their character to show love and kindness and care. Second word I want to highlight is from the New Testament, and it's probably more familiar. You may have talked about it in home church last week. Agape. Agape is a self-sacrificial love that is willing to suffer and even die for the good of others. There is no expectation of anything in return. And this again is the kind of love that God shows us. It is seeking the good of another, even those who are difficult or that we disagree with. And like Hesed, it again is not an emotion-based word, not void of emotion, but it's getting at something deeper. It's out of deep, good, kind, faithful character, not obligation, a choice. These two words show how God chose us and continues to choose us because he's committed to you. So like we were, had just read in 1 John, that's one of those places that word is used. Friends, beloved, let us agape one another because God is Agape.
in John 13, you can turn there if you want to. This is just before Jesus is going to the cross to show his ultimate display of love and commitment to us. And he's with his disciples. In verse 34, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Now, it says a new commandment. The command to love is not the new part of this. Jesus has already said that many times and has lived his life in a way of loving others. The new part here is that we would love like Jesus loves. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I think that's a pretty tall order. When I look through the Bible and I see how Jesus has loved and reading this, knowing he's about to go to the cross, that seems like a, a big, serious command, right? To love like Jesus loves. But the fact that he's commanding it must mean it's possible. We, as image bearers, can show Hesed and Agape to each other, to the world, to our home churches. I just think that's so incredible. Like these amazing, big, committed, loyal, steadfast ways of loving. It's it's possible. The love that sets us apart is self-sacrificial, willing to suffer, promise-keeping, loyal love that doesn't expect anything in return. Not just shown to those who are easy to love or that we like. Like Jesus said in Matthew, agape your enemies. (laughs) Choose love even for those who might hate you. I want to read through 1 John again. I'm going to read 7 to 12 this time. And I I just want you to listen and really think about these these two words, hesed and agape, as you you listen to the, the command here to love one another. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Here's the great news, right? You are made in the image of God. And you are a living temple capable of carrying the presence of God in your very bones. Like the connective tissue. Wrapped all around you and through you, your very DNA was made out of love. This is what gives us the capacity and the ability to do what seems like the impossible, which is to love like Jesus loved. Our family has been a foster family for almost nine years now. And I can tell you without a doubt that this truth that love dwells in my actual physical body is the reason that we've been fostering this long. Fostering has brought great joy to our family and it's also brought grief and pain and suffering. We call it redemptive suffering. And the reason we do this is because we're convinced of the hesed and agape of God towards us and towards others, towards all image bearers. Now, all that to say, we fail at it all the time. (laughs) It's really hard. It's really hard to be loving. And our tendency as humans is often to pull back, to self-protect, to retreat. (laughs) But this is not the way of the kingdom. This is not the way that we see Jesus love. And if we want to follow Jesus and we want to love like he loves, then it will cost us. It will require a lot from you. It might even break your heart. It might feel like you are past your breaking point. But I can tell you from experience that there is love to meet you in that place like you have never known. Because God is faithful and committed to you. This is a quote from a book called Sacred Rhythms. Love is a major inconvenience at times. (laughs) It is rarely efficient. It is much more complicated than just listing pros and cons and getting on with it. Furthermore, love challenges my self-centeredness, and sometimes it requires me to give more of myself than I want to give. Sometimes love hurts, or at least it makes me vulnerable. All of the time, love is risky. 
and there are no guarantees. And yet, love is the deepest calling of the Christian life. The standard by which everything about our lives is measured. That we would follow God passionately into love, even if it takes us all the way to the cross. This is how Jesus measured his own life. Back in uh, John 13, where we read about the new commandment, I love verse 1 of that chapter. It says, Knowing his hour had come to depart from the world, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. I just think that's such a beautiful statement. He loved them to the very end. Love will challenge us and call us deeper and cost us, and it will bring more life and joy and freedom than you could imagine. Love is why Jesus went all the way to the cross. Love is the reason that Jesus could go all the way to the cross. And love is the thing that kept Jesus on the cross. His love for you. And then love conquered death. Love is eternal. It lives even beyond our physical death. And all that you give to love in this life matters because love is eternal. Giving ourselves to love is never a waste. Even if you don't see the fruit of it in this life, even if the one you're showing it to can't show it back, it's not wasted. We read last week in our home churches out of 1 Corinthians 13, where it says these three remain, right? Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. How we love in this life matters. And it is the highest calling of the Christian life. Oh, that we would follow God passionately into love, even if it takes us all the way to the cross. So how do we actually become people of love? (laughs) How do we build home churches known for their love, and how do we love those we disagree with or dislike? We're going to go back to 1 John, because I think it gives us a couple of clues. (laughs) Starting in verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us 
so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. And there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So I think the first step is to know and believe the love that God has for you. Are you convinced of his hesed and agape toward you? Are you convinced of the love that took Jesus all the way to the cross? That love that loves you to the very end? We have to be convinced of this, to love like Jesus loves. (laughs) We receive first, and then we give. If we don't receive this love, we don't have it to give. The love of God towards you is constant, faithful, steady, loyal, merciful, kind, and so good. Love never ends. It never runs out. It's eternal. It has no beginning and no end because God is love. Brennan Manning said, define yourself as beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is an illusion. You are fully and completely loved right now, just as you are. There is nothing you could do to make God love you more or less than he does right at this moment. Do you believe that? His love towards you has nothing to do with what you can do, what you will do or have done. You are beloved by God. Full stop. The second thing I see here is that we abide. Whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. We stay in love. We remain in love. We spend time with Jesus, we study his commands, we practice living them out, we stay in community, we have friends who encourage us and compel us to go deeper. This is the long road, right, of the Christian life. And we have to live in the presence of God, in the actual presence of love. This is what you were made for. You were made for love, to receive it, to give it, to live in it fully. And God is committed to you. 
love is committed to you. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. By confessing and believing, by abiding, love is perfected in us. No fear. Just perfect love. And we will need reminding of this every day for all of our lives. Yes, Yes, I do. It's so easy to forget (laughs) and to just do a little sidestep out of love, right? To live right here (laughs) in the presence of love. If you need a fresh understanding of the love of the Father today, it's available. Love is here. And it wants to remind you of how deeply loved you are. I want to read a a blessing over you out of Ephesians. Jack, if you want to go ahead and come up, you can. Yep. I'll read this over you as we just move into some response time here, but I just want to encourage you (laughs) to just take a moment and let the Father speak over you today. He loves you so, so much. And just feel free if you need to sit, you need to stand up, you need to kneel, you need to move around, whatever you need to do to just get with the Father for a moment and look into his face. (laughs) And I want you to ask him this question. How much do you love me? How much do you love me? I just picture a a little child, right, running to their father and saying, Tell me again, how much do you love me? Is it this much? Is it this much? He wants to tell you his great pleasure to love you and to show his love to you.
So I'm just going to read this over us, and then uh, Jack's just going to play for a little bit. Just feel free to sit, linger with the presence of love today. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Father, we thank you for your love towards us. We just ask that you would tell us again how much you love us and help us to believe it.